Hi, welcome to Mixed Feelings, a show about news, politics, and pop culture. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Jillian Parker. Hi guys, I'm Jillian Parker. How are you today, Jillian? I'm doing great. How are you, Quinn? I'm good. It's too early. Yes, yes it is. It's no longer too early, because we took a really long time to start recording, (laughs) but it was too early when I woke up, and I (laughs) haven't totally woken up yet. Yeah, uh, Quinn and I have this really cute thing that we do where we set a time to record and then we start an hour later. That is <laughs> every our pattern. Time. <laughs> every time. It takes a long time to get started in the morning. This is true. And also to sit there on our computers forgetting that we're supposed to be recording. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll record right after I check this email. <laughs> 20 minutes later. Jillian, are you checking that email still? Nope. <laughs> but you know what? The election is less than a week away, so it's a beautiful day, Jillian. It is. It is. Like, this whole election cycle gets progressively more stressful every week, but we're almost done. I can see the light. It's beautiful. Yes, we're almost done. Um, It'll be great when the stocks stop fluctuating wildly. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, so basically, um, the way, like... The stock market works. Um, there are like good days and bad days where stocks are really high, and that means like consumer confidence or confidence in general in the economy is really high. And then there are low days, and because the election is coming up and there's so much uncertainty, um, the stocks have been fluctuating wildly. Which means, like, there will be more confidence in America if Hillary Clinton wins, just because um, she has experience as a politician and like her economic policies are more upfront and like she actually has a plan. So like people know what to expect. So, um, if Hillary, if like Hillary Clinton wins, great for the economy because, or at least for the stock market, um, because people will know what to expect, but because like we're up, we're coming up so close and like there are some polls that are getting closer and closer or whatever, then there's some um, fluctuating just because there's the slight possibility that um, Trump wins, which of course sends consumer confidence and confidence in America in general um, to a deep downward spiral. So This is very much a Brexit situation. Yes, exactly. Oh my god. What? I I told you I was having a good morning. Why would you do this to me? (laughs) I'm sorry. So I own exactly one stock. Do you really? I do. I own a stock in the Walt Disney Company because... Oh my god, I was hoping you would say Disney. I know, because my uncle got it for me as a present when I was a child, because it was really cute for me to be like, I own a piece of Disney! Mm-hmm. And I get like 17 cent dividends on it every year, because it's just like this one tiny piece. <laughs> hey, 17 cents is a lot. So do you think that my, my 17 cent dividend is going to go down um, because of stock fluctuations? I mean, the thing is, if everything goes down, does yours really go down? Okay, yes, it is. It, <laughs> that is true. But <laughs> um, I feel like this this is just something we can't control. Like, if it was a bad company, but, like, Disney's great. Um, but, yeah, if it was a bad company, then you would have more of an issue. But since Disney is one of the larger companies, and it's, it's pretty stable as far as companies go, um, I think you'll be fine, ex- unless, you know... The whole stock market goes bananas, but we're just going to try to focus on the positives right now. It's still early. Yeah, let's not count our stock market crashes before they hatch. (laughs) So, stock market is going amok. Um, What else is going amok is, you know, pretty much just everything, anything that has to do with Donald Trump. So, basically, a a report came out 
um, that Paul Manafort, aka Donald Trump's former campaign manager, has some ties to Russia, which is always not something that, you know, the American public wants to hear, just because um, relations with Russia have always been, how would you describe them? Just a little tense because of, you know, just hacking and things in general. Also, the Cold War, you know, historical details. <laughs> Technicalities. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically what happened was that they found out that he, uh, Manafort has received like $12.7 million in cash um, for some, I don't know, some shady, some shady things. Um, some, I don't know, some sort of deal with Russia. And of course, like, this relates to politics because even though he's his ex-campaign manager, um, Donald Trump has always been very pro-Russia, which is such a sort of unique stance considering, um, you know, the American public's general opinion of Russia isn't that great. Um, so it's just yeah. a little questionable. Trump may be Russia's number one American fan. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> which is not concerning at all for the prospect of nuclear war, but you know what, it's fine. <laughs> Technicalities. We're being way too cavalier about the state of the world. <laughs> I know, I know. I just feel like it's so hard. I think just in general, it's so hard to get really into the news on all the time, every day, just because what's going on in the world is just so drastically, um, just so impactful. Is that a word? Everything just has huge consequences and everything's just so especially now with the election, like, I feel like every small thing can just have this huge, wildly unpredictable impact, and then it's just so hard to, like, really wrap your mind around it, because then you get, like, very sad, and it's just so, at least for me, like, it's just one of those things that, like, I have to treat, um, sort of in a joking manner as, like, a defense mechanism, but it's just all of this thing, all this stuff that's going on is just absolutely insane. Yeah, I definitely have a strong sense of gallows humor, mm-hmm. where bad things happen, and I make a lot of jokes about them, mostly about my own life, but also about self-deprecation things. is key. Self-deprecation is everything, um, but also it's just like with this case in particular. Like, I feel like four years ago, if it came out that Mitt Romney's former campaign manager had ties to Russia, everyone would lose their minds. Mm-hmm. But everyone's like, oh, so the former campaign manager of the guy that already talks about how much he loves Russia, has ties to Russia. Great. What a surprise. Yeah, and again, it's just like this whole other, um, you know, double standard with, with Trump. Like every, so like things that we wouldn't tolerate from any other politician, we like tolerate from Trump. And when I say we, guys, I do not mean Quinn and I. <laughs> Just to make that specifically clear. And by we, we mean them. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just... And then that's going back to the other thing that happened this week with election news, which was somehow, somehow we are still back to Hillary Clinton's emails. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of hearing about emails. And here's the thing. She messed up with this whole email situation, and I get that, but on the other hand, I'm so sick of hearing, like, there's been so many emails in this election. Why? (laughs) I'm just sick of the word now. Emails were annoying enough before they became political lightning rods. I think we should just change, I I don't know, I just, obviously this is a very serious issue, but I also think this would just be a whole lot funnier if, instead of emails, it was just like, AOL Messenger. (laughs) Like, imagine, like, you had, like, this really cool, um, like, screen name. 
Oh my god, what would Hillary Clinton's screen name be? Oh my god, maybe like Madam President, but like all the E's would be threes or something like that. I like to imagine it would be Hill Yes. <laughs> Yesterday I was writing a, an outline for an essay and it was pretty late. And so I was just making it really silly. And then I had to mention Bill Clinton's policy on something in the 90s. And I wrote Prez Clinton the first. <laughs> and then I was like, I like this. Can we start calling... Can we start naming presidents like kings? So we have like Bush the first and Bush the second and like Clinton the first and Clinton the second. Yeah, because that's exactly what George Washington would have wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry, George Washington. Oh, George Washington. What a guy. Oh, but back to the emails though. So. (laughs) Yes. Back to the issue at hand. Literally eight days before the election, the director of the FBI, um, James Comey, sent a letter to Congress saying, hey, we found some more emails. They might have important information on them. Just to let you know. FYI. <laughs> Just like throwing that out. I was like, what, what are you doing? Because so close to the election on a case that was already closed. Like this whole inquiry into her emails ha- was a very, very long case. And they closed it back in July, I think, saying that no one knowingly broke the law, no one knowingly shared confidential information. So they were like, that was a stupid thing to do, uh, Hillary Clinton, but like you you didn't break the law and we're not going to persecute you. Um, and everyone was like, cool. And then they discovered, of all people, Anthony Weiner's laptop. <sighs> oh my god, I, I can't... So Anthony Weiner, um, everyone's least favorite politician. How did he get that far as a politician with that last name? I don't know. Like, this is my real question here. The thing is, he is a disgraced politician for sexting scandals. Dude, like, couldn't you pick something more creative? (laughs) You are a character of yourself. So Anthony Weiner is relevant, and the only reason he is relevant is because he is the disgraced husband of Huma Abedin, who is a top aide slash top advisor for Hillary Clinton and her campaign. Like, they've worked together for years. And apparently on his laptop, they found some of her emails that may or may not contain information from this private email server, but they don't really know. And they started looking at them, and they know for sure that some of them are at least some of them are duplicates of emails they've already looked through. So now we're kind of like, so you may or may not have found emails that have anything to do with this case, but you sent a letter to Congress announcing it? And that's not a normal thing to do. It's Mm -hmm. not normal for the director of the FBI to make this kind of public announcement to Congress in an investigation that's already been closed. He said that he had um, sworn to be uh, completely transparent about this case with Congress, so he thought that um, when this new information came to light that he had this responsibility to tell Congress, which I think is a valid concern. I think he was really stuck between a rock and a hard place here because by announcing his information so close to the election, he has serious concerns of possibly swaying the election um, against Hillary Clinton when we don't even know if these emails have any kinds of bad evidence against her at all. But on the other hand, if he had kept it from the public and not told anyone and then 
um, would that be interfering in the election by not making that information public? Slash, if someone had found out that he had not made that information public, I feel like perhaps he could get accused of um, of favoritism towards the Clinton campaign. Mm-hmm. I think the whole point here is like either decision wouldn't have been great. I mean, because it's like at this point, it's not what's good, um, what's good, what's bad. It's more of like what will have less political consequences and i think he would have gotten it would have been worse if he had withheld some withheld some truth than if he like said too much because i think at this point um if you're voting for hillary you're gonna vote for hillary i don't know so like that's fine i guess because like since this is the whole email debacle and everything i feel like everyone's pretty much done with it so it's not gonna sway anyone who was already voting for hillary against Hillary, I think it's more of the whole, like, people who are on the fence, that's the real issue. Yeah, because it has had a serious impact in the polls. I mean, she was up, like, on the 538 prediction, Mm -hmm. she was up to, like, 85% chance of winning. And it's definitely not evened out, but it's gotten, um, it it certainly has gotten closer since this information came to light. And I think the, the major criticism, there's been lots of people on both sides, um, of, Uh, Comey on this saying like he should have done that or he shouldn't have and it was a good thing to do versus it was a terrible thing to do um but I think like a major very valid criticism is the language in the initial letter is so incredibly vague and Mm non-helpful and like we didn't even know what in the world anything was when he first announced it and then we found out it was actually Anthony Weiner's laptop and then we found out that those emails may or may not actually have anything to do with Hillary Clinton. And I feel like that information should have been... Included in the letter. Yeah, it should have been... A pe- not people should have been whatever. made aware of that right away instead of us having um, to figure that out down the line when at first he was just like, found some emails. Something might involved. be on them. Like, yeah. And I feel like this is just one more example of all the things that are coming up now so close to the election. And it's like, have all of this information. Good luck, voters. <laughs> Do with it what you will. Another thing that's been up uh, recently, well, pretty much this entire election, is the fact that Donald Trump hasn't released his um, tax returns, which is something every presidential can- candidate has done, you know, five ever. Um, so basically, another report came out um, talking about Trump and, you know, his, what he's been doing with his taxes and how he's sort of been getting away, not legally getting away with being able to pay less taxes than, you know, someone else making that much income. And basically the reason is because he's been using in, um, legally dubious methods, which is basically fancy talk for, he's been doing stuff he hasn't, he shouldn't be doing, but at the time it was legal and now it's not legal anymore. But... Basically, there are hella loopholes, and Donald Trump has like found a way to do every to get around these loopholes um, in the '90s. So, for everyone who doesn't read up about tax forms or t- tax returns, oh because it's so interesting, <laughs> here is so basically when you have a company, um, you have to if you have a public company, you have to report um, everything that the company has done, you know, report everything with the SEC, and then you have to report all your taxes, so the IRS can, like, figure out what's going on, and so basically what he's, um, so basically what was outlawed in the 90s was this thing called stock for debt swaps, which basically means that you can take money that you've made, but then have it not count 
to be taxed. It's a lot of legal accounting um, jargon, but basically the more money you make, the more taxes you have to pay on it. But there's a way to sort of manipulate the way that income shows up on your um, balance sheet or income sheet or accounting statement or whatever that makes it not taxed. And so this method was outlawed, I think, in like 1993, but Trump got around it by doing something instead of the stock for debt swaps, it was equity for debt swaps by partnerships. Basically what happened was that Donald Trump took all of this money that should have been taxed, but he wrote it off as stuff that couldn't be taxed. And the funny thing about this is that all of his tax lawyers told him not to do this because basically what you can do, you can get like tax opinion letters, which means like you can talk to tax lawyers who know what they're doing and be like, can I do this? And then they'll write this, they'll come up with an opinion and they'll like go through all the laws or whatever and say, yes, you can do this. Or there's a slight chance that the IRS will get you for this or and things like that. And if it's like sort of approved, it means like a gold, you get a gold letter. Or it's like a gold standard, meaning like, yes, this is legally dubious, but you could probably get away with it. And the IRS won't like, do, like can't really say anything against it. But the thing is that like Donald Trump got these letters and they were not like approved. Like they said that you probably can't get away with this. Like IRS is not going to be happy, but he still did it anyway. Um, and so, yes, that is the story on tax on Donald Trump's tax. I'm going to be real with you. When you sent me that article to read about this and I started reading it and I was like, what is anything? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a lot. Thank you for that brief explanation. Oh, that was an awful explanation, but... Jillian is an economics major and actually, actually understands things about taxes. I don't know. Um, <laughs> guys, taxes will always be around. So if you want to have um, an occupation that's totally guaranteed, just do something with taxes and you'll be fine. Sorry, I just blacked out there thinking about how horrible blacked that out. would be. <laughs> so what does this mean in terms of Donald Trump? So like you're tell- did he break the law or not? He did not break the law because what he ended up doing was actually um was actually through a loophole that ended up not being um that ended up being made illegal by, you know, some senator from New York named Hillary Clinton, which is actually really funny. But when he did this, it was legal completely sketchy but legal and but now it's not legal anymore this election hurts me like there's so well in so many ways (laughs) but just like it's there's so much irony in it that i feel like we're getting punked it can't be real but it is oh alas it is real i can't believe he abused a tax loophole that hillary clinton closed didn't he accuse her in the last debate, he was talking about how he used tax loopholes, and then he blamed Hillary Clinton for not closing them. But she ended up closing them, just like... But she did, though. <laughs> I mean, I'm saying this as if there's any basis for him telling the truth ever. Yeah. I just like how, like, fact-checking the other presidential candidate is a thing that's really come about this year, because everything that Donald Trump says is highly questionable. <laughs> Yeah, every debate, Hillary Clinton's um, has a website called Literally Trump, and you can go to her website and click on the Literally Trump tab, and it'll do 
her team does live fact-checking of him because he'll stand up there and say so many untrue things that she you can see it on her face she just doesn't know how to deal with it it her turn to talk and she's just like none of that was true <laughs> she has to just keep saying like i don't have time to fact-check everything you just said so like please just go to my website people of america and i will show you the truth <laughs> here's here's the thing though is i can understand why rich people use tax loopholes we all want to have as much money as possible whatever and so i understand that people use those um but those people aren't running for president yeah it gets back to this idea of moral standard and the fact that the leader of the free world should be held to a higher standard than Mm -hmm. uh, average joe on the street and if you use tax loopholes to avoid paying millions of dollars in taxes then you shouldn't be running for president um, and even if you are, you shouldn't be proud of it. Mm-hmm. You should say, like, I feel like if he was a decent person and it came out that he used these tax loopholes, he would have been like, I did use those and it was wrong and I'm sorry. And now I'm going to donate a ton of money to charity to make up for that. But no, he's just bragging about how smart he is for avoiding paying taxes that pay for the infrastructure of this country. Yeah, I mean, it's just... My problem with Donald Trump, actually, I have a lot of problems with Donald Trump. But one of that, my that's like a several hour podcast. <laughs> but one of my huge issues with Donald Trump is like, at least, like he has no remorse whatsoever. At least like Hillary Clinton with the whole email um, debacle, like she came forward and she was like, yes, like should have been more careful, like blah blah blah. I'm sorry, but Donald Trump just like doesn't apologize for anything, and it's just it just angers me. Um, he has and, the emotional yeah. maturity of a custard. <laughs> I want to get that on a poster and hang <laughs> it everywhere. So speaking of 2016 being a dumpster fire, let's talk about um, this little website called Vine. I would, honestly, the more I think about this, the more upset I get. <laughs> so Twitter owns vine which is this video sharing service where people can make six second videos wait did twitter always own vine no okay not originally but they've owned it for a little while i think Mm -hmm. and so uh users of vine can make six second videos and then people can watch them and share them and they're kind of like gifs in that they loop continuously Mm -hmm. um so sometimes you have a really great vine and then you just watch it like 20 times because it's so good and you need to watch it over and over again which i've done before absolutely (laughs) and then they just announced that they're going to be shutting down vine and it's just crazy how because a lot of people have become like vine famous and have actually developed you know careers from their six second videos which is really interesting i love the internet oh amazing no it's it's really weird for us to think about that because i never considered that someone could just shut a social network down like that Mm-hmm. Like, even MySpace still exists. I don't think anyone uses it, but, it, like, it's still there. And the thing is, like, with these sites, I just assume that, like, people will just leave. Mm-hmm. And then they die out naturally. Mm-hmm. And Vine definitely peaked probably in, like, 2014. And it mm-hmm. wasn't a, a huge site. It was definitely nowhere near, like, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram levels. Especially when Snapchat became more relevant. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Snapchat became a huge thing. Instagram introduced video, and um, Vine really lost a lot of its user base. But at the same time, um, for... Even though it's only really been around for a few years, like, for us, 
it seems like it's been here for a really long time because it was just like you know vine is a thing you see it on twitter and tumblr and stuff all the time that these like just really funny or interesting six cent videos pop up everywhere and it's just this accepted fact of the internet and all of a sudden it's not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it reminds me that death is inevitable yes death and taxes people death and taxes will always exist god Ugh. i never really understood the point of vine um i mean i thought it was cool but i feel like it was never relevant to me i mean i never i never made a vine like i never occurred to me that i would want to make a six second video but i appreciate it it, it developed into its own kind of art form definitely it is so hard to be funny and punchy in six seconds yeah, and some people got, get so creative with them. Mm-hmm. There's this one vine that is amazing where it's, it's this stop motion thing. It's this person making it look like he's moving the clock arms of Big Ben. Oh. It's so cool. Oh. And then there are just really funny ones. Like, my favorite vine person is Thomas Sanders because he is an adorable cinnamon roll who is pure and good and makes just really funny pure content (laughs) where he just like narrates people's lives and plays harmless pranks on his friends and does like cute little subversive things and sometimes I watch a vine that's like by Thomas Sanders or anyone else and I'm like was that really just six seconds long Mm because they can pack so much into that time Mm -hmm. yeah there's this one vine where um it's like a girl, a, a guy stealing this girl's purse and this girl saying, oh, like, help my purse. And then this other guy comes in. He goes, don't worry, I'll save you. And he, like, runs to this like brick wall and does a backflip off it. And then the girl's like, no, he already took my purse. And she, you're too late. And he goes, yeah, but that backflip dough. And it's just, like, incredible, like, just incredible content. It really is amazing. And it's important to also consider that Vine was a really crucial place for young creators of color. Like, there was so much amazing content that was produced on Vine by people who were too young or too quirky or too not white for, like, other (laughs) forms of media. And, like, the phrase on fleek came from a Vine of a young black woman just talking about how her eyebrows were on fleek. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, yeah, that's where it came from. Um, And so, like, Vine really influenced internet culture in a big way. Was, um, damn, Daniel, was that Vine? I think that was Snapchat. Oh, okay, never mind. (laughs) But... (laughs) Sorry. It's fine. It's fine, guys. I don't know. I never had a Vine account, or I I never, like, checked a Vine in the morning or whatever, but they would just show up everywhere um, online, and we'll still have them. They said they're not pulling them down or anything. You'll still be able to see them, but... You just won't be able to actively, like, make new Vines and things like that? Yeah. I love... I loved the name Vine, though. So many... So many potential puns for grapes. (laughs) course that's what you're thinking of <laughs> the end of a like a multi multi-million dollar um, website and all i can think about is great puns but you know what it's fine what's the thing is i don't know how much money it was actually worth because that's kind of the point of why it got shut down because there doesn't have like they were really losing people i mean if you look at the people who got really big on vine um 
they're still they were still like on Vine for the most part, I think. But they're also moving to other platforms and making videos on Instagram, like Snapchat, Snapchat. Instagram, mm-hmm. or um, even YouTube. And just moving to these other platforms where they have there are bigger audiences available. Um, there's easier opportunities for monetization, mm-hmm. um, which is important if you're going to be trying to make a career out of being a content creator. Especially with Instagram, where you can, especially for fashion bloggers, where you can like advertise on Instagram and the pictures that you post can be sponsored and you can like if you hold down on a picture it tells you like where all the clothes are from and then you can like automatically like you can where it directs you to a site where you can buy them which is very dangerous (laughs) (laughs) not that you're speaking from experience at all not that I'm uh yeah from a friend heard there was dangerous from a friend yeah it's uh it's difficult to put ads on six second videos you know Mm mm-hmm I'll just be interested to see if anything takes over for Vine in the relative ubiquity and being embedded in Tumblr posts and that kind of things because you mm-hmm. see, like like I've mentioned before, like you see these videos everywhere and you don't see Instagram videos embedded into other services. That's true. So we'll be interested to see if anything replaces that or if it's just going to be a splintering of video um, in terms of like these short form video segments. Yeah, definitely. That'll be interesting. Because, yeah, Tumblr uses Vines all the time. Oh, or yeah. Did that, use... That's where I consume most of my six-second video content. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a study that was released recently on male birth control shots. So historically, women have been responsible for most birth control. Um, men mostly just have the option of either using a condom or going through sterilization. So there's no, there hasn't been any real hormonal birth control available for men, whereas for women um, and just people with ovaries, and they can take uh, oral birth control um, that messes with their hormones um, and reduces the risk of pregnancy significantly. Um, They can use IUDs or Mm -hmm. um, any one of a number of different methods. They even have um, depo shots for women as well. Yeah. And at some point someone was like, oh, uh, maybe we could hold the people with testicles also responsible for keep taking care of such a Such a groundbreaking realization here. Yeah, you know, um, something that people have been thinking about. But... What is interesting is they had this big study and they found that it was pretty effective. It it seemed pretty comparable to um, rates of uh, female birth control effectiveness. I think there there ended up being three uh, babies born over the course of a few years um, with this study, which is really not that bad. And they said the babies were totally healthy, um, which is a good sign. But they ended up shutting down the study when um, they reached a 3% depression rate reported among the men. Um, and, uh, there were other side effects. Mood swings, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of emotional... There were effects on libido, um, Mm -hmm. and so they decided that it was dangerous and shut it down. And at this point, a lot of the women in the room said, excuse me? (laughs) Are you serious right now? (laughs) Because here's the thing, is these are side effects that are incredibly prevalent um for women taking birth control Mm -hmm. like depression mood swings irritability um reduced libido um so much more yeah and uh women also deal with things like uh uh potential risk for blood pressure blood clots uh nausea dizziness fainting like i know someone who like her birth control caused her to develop tumors in her liver like 
really messed up stuff. And these are not, these effects don't happen to everyone. And I wouldn't say that they're incredibly common, but they're definitely not unheard of. And the fact is, the fact of the matter is like, um, people with ovaries taking these medications at, at some point are like actually risking their lives mm-hmm. because definitely you can't know before you take them. Well, I shouldn't say that I'm not a doctor, but as far as I know, like you can't know for sure whether when you, before you take them, mm-hmm. like if they're going to have these very serious health effects on you. And everybody is different. So everybody's going to react differently. Yeah. There's always that chance. And <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's not that I'm saying that the that like men should have to suffer or something like that because um, like side effects of depression and these other issues like are serious things but why like why is this such a concern for the men taking the medication but not for the women like why don't we get the same consideration slash art why aren't we held we, why aren't we all held to the same standard Mm-hmm. There's actually, like, a really interesting quote that's related to this. Um, somebody said a while ago, like, why hasn't, like, birth control for men become more prevalent earlier? And a per- one person said something like, yeah, it's weird that, um, like, women have always been responsible for birth control, especially when you have, like, this, if you um, use, like, a gun analogy, why are we aiming at a bulletproof vest as opposed to just unloading the gun? <laughs> Which I thought was extremely clever. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure that's incredibly oversimplified, blah, 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 science. Yes, yes, but, but still, guys. <laughs> at the same time, like, if we have this effective form of birth control, I think the question should be, what are we willing to... Because, I mean, all medication has side effects. Like, all medication is going to have side effects for some people. But I don't think... There's not a lot of long-term studies that have been done on... Uh, female birth control like they're Mm -mm. they just aren't there um Mm -hmm. there's only been a few done very recently and so we don't know what the total long-term effects of this are um as far as we know they're pretty safe but like something could come out tomorrow that they're actually very like taking for example like taking oral um contraceptives over the course of so many years is actually incredibly detrimental to your fertility and also like they also played around with, like, the dosages um, a lot because before, like, weight gain was always a side effect of um, birth control pills. And now I'm pretty sure weight gain is only an official side effect of the depo shot. But, like, there's just there's been a lot more experimentation um, with women's birth control as opposed to, like, men's where it's like, oh, well, it has the side effects, so let's not, like, continue this anymore. You know what I mean? So it's just very, I don't know, just a weird, interesting quirk about, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I just think it should be held to the same standard. As if we're going to be this concerned about the side effects for men, we should be concerned about them for women. Or we should say, like, let's just make people aware of these side effects and allow them to make their own choices about what medication they want to take. Mm-hmm. Also, I do think that there is still that, obviously, this bias, even if this does become more prevalent, it's always... I feel like it's going to be very hard for women to lose, like, the stigma of they they should be the ones like, on, um, birth control, like, it's, like, birth control for men, it would be more of, like, an option, and women's, like, no, you have to, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that, uh, like, I would hope with the prevalence of, um, easily available hormonal male birth control, that it would become, like, more of an equalizer, Mm -hmm. and, um, both parties of, in, like, heterosexual relationships would feel responsibility 
for taking care of um, birth control, I don't know if that's realistic. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the world sucks. There have been surveys, though, that have shown that men are more open to taking birth control, um, at at least opposed to, like, I say, like, 10, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. There's definitely major interest in it. Yeah, there's definitely... Guys, there's definitely been progress, so this is good. This is good. Something positive. (laughs) I just... I'm I'm sick of double standards in general for everything in life. Um, But in this case, specifically, in terms of birth control. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Basically, I just like to advocate for more studies done on the effects of hormonal contraception for all people and all genders because, um, like, I myself take an oral contraceptive and I would like to know what it's doing to my body. Thank you. <laughs> Please and thank you. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually allergic to birth control. I can't take it. Fun fact. Wait, what happens if you take it? like, mood swings, depression, irritability, and, like, turns me into a completely different human, so I do not take it. You could be a, you could be a fun, um, subject first, one of these studies. Oh, great. Fantastic. Or you could just be like, trust me, it sucks if I take it, and then I'll be like, cool, we'll take your word for it. And then there are, like, obviously there are other methods, but at least <laughs> as far as, like, oral contraceptives, um, I'm allergic to those, so. I'm not even allergic, but have experienced bad side effects. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I am lucky to, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I have any serious side effects. Um, as far as I know, mm-hmm. haven't noticed anything. Still seem healthy. Yes. I'm very disappointed in one of my uh, child pop star idols this week. Oh, no. Which one? There's so many. I know. They're all so good. But so Hilary Duff, I love you to Hilary Duff. You're, you're great. But she decided for Halloween to dress up in uh, a couple's costume where she was a pilgrim mind you a sexy pilgrim she was like not wearing pants <laughs> and they didn't have pants on the mayflower right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah you know all of those types were very loose with clothes um and her boyfriend was dressed up as a native american oh my god and so clearly a lot of people had a lot of problems with this um because dressing up in your interpretation of another group's uh, traditional wear is not a good thing to do because that's like incredibly offensive to that group and is just really insensitive. Um, And this is a fun thing called cultural appropriation, which is, I feel like is more and more a hot topic in uh, today's discourse with um, this thing called respect that we're trying to give other people and it's <laughs> Aretha Franklin knew what she was talking about. <laughs> yes. Um, but this is the thing that got me about this, is the second I saw a picture of this costume, I was like, girl, you did what? <laughs> and the thing is, like, she came out and apologized, but she, like, said that, oh, I didn't even think about it that way, like, all this stuff. And then her boyfriend came out and apologized and was like, I have great respect for, like, the native, um, the indigenous people of the United States, like, all of this stuff. Yeah, and it was just, like... It, it was very clear from their reaction to it that they genuinely didn't realize it was mm-hmm. going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets me, because I feel like I am in um, a, a group of peers and in geographic location and in the... Of course, college. Very. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and going to a liberal university and all these things that I'm very aware of these issues and I am aware of 
um, cultural appropriation and that you shouldn't dress up as other people's cultures for Halloween. Um, that's just like a no-brainer to me. And I forget that for a lot of people, they still don't even think about these things. Mm-hmm. I got some backlash for my Halloween costume, actually. Wait, what was it? For your frat <laughs> so, bro Halloween yeah. costume? So my friend, so um, for Halloween, I dressed up one night as a frat bro. Um, so I wore like Vineyard Vines boxers, like a guy's t-shirt, a backwards baseball cap. Um, I carried around like a wad of cash with me and like said things like, my dad will sue you and like stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I even had a name tag that said, disregard females, acquire currency. And so I like posted a picture of it or whatever. And this um, guy from my high school who is a white male was like, I feel culturally appropriated. <laughs> And, like, I'm pretty sure he was kidding, but, okay, like... like, that's a joke, though. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. But, like, I don't know. What if I did offend people? I feel like the difference is because you are mocking a group for their privilege. hmm Whereas dressing up as a Native American is, like, as a white person is, like, uh, hey, we destroyed your culture, but also I'm going to dress up as it for a costume. Yeah. Which is, like, a totally different Yeah, dynamic. I think, like, if um, Hillary Duff just stuck with, like, the pilgrim costume, like, that would have been... I mean, still, it was a sexy pilgrim, so, like, that's a little... Yeah, That but makes like, me a little that's, uncomfortable. That's but what Halloween is. That's true. That's true. So that's why next year, guys, <laughs> Quinn is going as a sexy pilgrim, and I'm going as a sexy corn on the cob. <laughs> corn on the cob or butternut squash. We're not sure yet. We'll keep you posted. Oh, there's been development since last time we <laughs> talked about this. Oh, man. I don't... What would a sexy corn on the cob costume look like? I feel like I would just dress up as corn, but with like the um, the husk still attached, but then pull down the husk a little bit. So ooh. I'd be like, ooh, mid mid husk. You're like a burlesque dancer, but an ear of corn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, it just reminds me of that I do live in a bubble, mm-hmm. and that there are a lot of people out there who, through no deliberate malice, like, Hilary Duff and her boyfriend, her boyfriend has a name, but I don't know what it is. It's her personal <laughs> trainer. Interesting. Just, yes. <laughs> anyway, Hilary Duff and her boyfriend genuinely had no malice. They apologized. They were clearly embarrassed and sorry about it. And they just didn't know. But I didn't realize that, like, people just don't think about these things. Mm-hmm. And it seems so obvious to me, but, like, that wouldn't have been obvious to me four years ago. Mm-hmm. It's funny, though, because we really are in a bubble. Like, I went home for Thanksgiving last year, and my relatives, we, like, talked about this, about, like, cultural appropriation, and they were like, yeah, I don't really see the big problem with it. Like, Halloween is about, like, dressing up and, like, being someone you're not. And, like, I was like, yeah, but there's this whole, like, other factor, and they literally, like, they're very smart people, but when it comes to stuff like this, they are just not aware, which is interesting to me. It's definitely a cultural shift in our society, the way that we perceive these things. And this whole war of what is called politically correct culture, um, where there's this one side of people are saying, like, political correctness, quote unquote, has gone too far, and we're not allowed to say anything. And there's the other side saying, like, what you're calling political correctness is respecting other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there is a point where it goes too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that point is 
pretty far down the line, and mm-hmm. it's definitely not before um, dressing up as other people's cultures for Halloween. And I mean, we still have a football team called the Cleveland Indians. Why? Why does that exist? What's the What's the other one? The um. No, okay, it's the Washington Redskins. We have a freaking football team's named the Indians and the Redskins. Why? Although, I've had heard arguments, like, both ways, why we should get rid of the name the Redskins, but then I've heard also heard arguments where, um, at least back in the day, I guess, um, like, Redskins, it was like a, not a term of endearment, but like, like bra- it like symbolized bravery and that was sort of the essence they wanted to capture in their football team like bravery courage like aggression um things like that and so like then like they didn't name it like th- that context was like interpreted differently and i guess n- and now it's like unacceptable but like back then it was like it-, it was a matter of context and they weren't trying to offend anyone um but it's just yeah there has been a shift in society and we're living it um so that's really interesting yeah and i mean i can understand historical context for things and i understand like especially when you're analyzing um things like texts and academic theories from the past that you have to put them in context of like where these people were coming from in their own society um but that doesn't excuse present day you know Mm -hmm. yeah and I just think, like, as long as most, as long as most other football teams are named after animals, there's not really a defense for calling a team the Redskins. Mm-hmm. It's basically just think about things before you do them. And stop! Try to it's so people. revolutionary. Think before you act. Okay, stop being what? so sassy. <laughs> no, but like genuinely, like I mean this genuinely. Mm-hmm. Is there are definitely things that I do that, and then people are like, "That's not a cool thing to do." Like that could be hurtful to this person or this group of people and I have to say like yeah you're right like I didn't think about it like that mm-hmm. and sometimes it's hard but like think about things mm-hmm. yep definitely. definitely I'm a I'm a deep deep philosopher <laughs> <laughs> treat people with respect respect other cultures think before you act these are just some of the the lifelong lessons you'll learn from our show R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> yes, Aretha said it right. Sang it right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our first episode of Mixed Feelings. Uh, you can find our show notes at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings slash one. Um, you can find us in your podcast player of choice or in iTunes, where it'd be great if you left us a review. That'd be amazing. Um, you can find me on Twitter at aspiringrobotfm. And you can find me on Twitter at um, underscore Jillian Parker. And if you want to tweet at the show or follow it for um, updates on new episode releases, you can follow us at Mixed Feelings FM. Thank you. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our Mixed Feelings. <laughs>